Hello, this is Father Mike Walker of Father Mike's Podcast and Father Mike's Bible Study Podcast, the pastor of St. James Catholic Church in McMinnville, Oregon. If you would like more information about the parish or the podcast, please feel free to email me at frmikewalker at gmail.com. And now, today's podcast. So today I want to talk a little bit about that first reading that we heard from Acts of the Apostles. It's important for many reasons, and I want to explain the context a little bit first. As the church originally received the message, it was a Jewish church. We had the disciples who were all Jewish, and when the Holy Spirit came, this was in Jerusalem, and the church began to grow from there. But it started with the Jewish culture and the Jewish people. Uh, But at the same time, as the church began to grow, there were other people and there were other cultures. And everybody knew that Jesus was the Messiah, not just for the Jews, but also for all the nations. And so as the church began to grow, they had to grapple a little bit with the understanding about how that gets applied. And the big controversy in the first reading today was basically how Jewish do the Greeks need to be, or the Gentiles by extension. And uh, the Jews, of course, they had the Mosaic law that they followed. Uh, That meant that they had certain dietary laws, they had certain purification rituals, they had a certain calendar they followed, and they had a certain culture that was important to them. And so some of the Jewish Christians were teaching that if these Greeks want to become Christian, then they need to become Jewish first, and then they can become Christian. So that meant that they had to follow all those laws and those rituals, and also they needed to be circumcised. And so obviously this was quite a bit of a burden to the Greeks who had a different culture and a different way of life. And St. Paul and Barnabas, they were of the group that was teaching that, well, Jesus' death and resurrection changes things. So the Mosaic Law was necessary before the coming of the Messiah. But after Jesus came, died, and rose from the dead, we have a new covenant. And this new covenant supersedes the Mosaic Covenant. So therefore, the Greeks and all the other nations don't need to become Jewish before they become Christian. So they were going back and forth with this controversy. And the church came together in what we call the Council of Jerusalem. They prayed and they discerned. They took the gospel teaching and they applied it into the particular situation. And then afterwards, uh, after calling upon the grace of the Holy Spirit, they made their decision and that's what we had toward the end. And the decision was basically that the Gentiles or the Greeks did not need to become Jewish to become Christian, but at the same time, they should respect their elders and they shouldn't do things that would be abhorrent to them, like eating blood and and meat and doing things that was just so far from the Jewish culture that it would be considered something that was distasteful. So they should respect the Jews and not do those things. Now, this is important for a few reasons. The first one has to do with authority and how that gets passed on. Now, When Jesus was doing his ministry, uh, he mentioned that the rabbis had the authority of Moses, and they had the authority to make decisions, and that was given to them by God. But then Jesus said to Peter, and then to the church, said, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I 
give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What, you, what is bound in heaven is bound on earth. So what Jesus is doing here is he's telling Peter and later the apostles that they will be given the authority to be able to make decisions with the power of Jesus himself. Now, this gets played out especially after the resurrection. Uh, If you'll notice in John's gospel, when Jesus appears to the disciples, they're in the upper room. He breathes the Holy Spirit on them and tells them what sins you forgive are forgiven them, what sins you retain are retained, and he's giving them his authority. Uh, Another one that we have is in Matthew's gospel. At the very end, before Jesus ascends into heaven, uh, he gathers his disciples and he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and know that I will be with you until the end of the age. So what Jesus is doing here before his ascension is he's telling the disciples that, look, I am the Lord of heaven and earth. I have full power and authority. I delegate that over to you, the church, to do what I did, to take my teachings uh, through the grace of the Spirit and make decisions in my name. So this authority was something that the apostles and the church took seriously. So an extension of this and this being played out and being applied is when the early church came together and they prayed. They discerned, and through the power of the Spirit, they made the decision that they made because they were able to apply the authority that they had. Now, we've had many councils throughout the history of the church. The latest one is Vatican II. And in Vatican II, there were all kinds of different documents that we have had, and those documents have the authority of Christ working through his church. So when we read Vatican II documents, we don't read them as if it's just a nice opinion. We read them as the church applying its authority. And this also is something that comes to us through the teachings of the church. Because we know that Jesus has all power and authority, but that has to be applied. And it's applied in faith and morals through the teaching of the church. Because if it wasn't, then we would never really know what was true and what was right and how we should live our Christian faith according to the truth applied to the present age. So, in other words, Jesus gives us that authority as a gift to help us so that we can know what is right and what is true and that our faith and morals might align with the will of God in the present age. All right, so that's a bit of a long explanation, but hopefully that makes sense. Now, there's another reason why this is important. Because it shows the universal nature of the church. The church in uh, McMinnville, as great as it is, is not the fullness of the church. That there is the church in Western Oregon, the Archdiocese of Portland. There's the church in the United States. There's the church in the Americas. There's the church that extends throughout the world. And one of the great things that I love about traveling is that anywhere you go in this world... If, if you look, you'll find a Catholic church. And when you go to that Catholic church, you will find that there's a certain unity that we all have, even when there are different cultures and peoples and expressions uh, of that particular faith through worship and different practices and cultures. So the disciples were dealing with that in, in the early stages when they were trying to figure out this connection between the Jews and the Gentiles and how that works in the Christian experience. Uh, But we also have that as well. Just to give you a little example, 
Here in uh, St. James, we have the English masses and the Spanish masses. And there are some different cultural expressions that we have in our worship and in the way that we practice our faith. So it's not that one is right and the other is wrong. There are just different expressions of the unity of faith that we all share. And it's important for us to see that that gives us a certain richness that we can learn and grow from one another in ways that would not be possible if we would just kind of stay in our own little bubble. And it's uh, one of the things that's been enriching to me in my faith was just the ability to go and experience different ways of expressing the faith and learning from their experience and their practice. Now, this is part of the important reasons why this Council of Jerusalem was such a great thing. Uh, But there are also lessons in this as well. And so, first of all, I, I think it's important for us to really be centered on the truth and to make that the priority. As the disciples came together, they were praying, discerning the truth of the gospel that they could apply to the situation. And I was wondering what it would be like if our government was like that, if, if we would be more centered on what is actually true rather than one side winning or the other side winning. Because here you have the, the disciples and you have this, the Jews and the Greeks trying to understand the truth so that they could apply it and it would be something that they both would understand was true and they could live according to that. Uh, in our world, it tends to be who's going to win, and if you win, then you're going to do everything you can to try to oppress the other side. The, the other part that I think is important is it, it shows us about being concerned about the well-being of others. So you'll notice that the Jews came to their decision to not have additional burdens for the Greeks because they were concerned about them and their ability to follow Christ. And the Greeks, when they got the, the letter that explained that they needed to uh, be respectful of the Jews in the way that they practiced their faith, they were concerned with their brothers and sisters in the Jews. So another thing, how do you think our world would be if we would be more concerned about the well-being of others and we would be less concerned about winning or trying to get what we like and how we prefer things to be? You know, so it is a, a bit of an indication about how we should be responding as people to faith. And then the last one is just to celebrate that particular unity that we have. I mean, it truly is a great thing that for 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has really brought together all these different cultures and nations and peoples and times, and we all share in that great unity that comes to us from Christ. So just as a recap, a few things we might want to be focused on this week is to really pursue and search out the truth and try to apply it to the best of our ability through the power of the Spirit, trusting in the faith and morals that we receive through the teaching of Christ through his church. You know, this is something that we can all strive to be better at. The second one is to truly be concerned about the well-being of others, especially those who might have different practices or, or different ways of expressing their faith, but, you know, to try to really affirm one another and lift one another and, and to appreciate that, but be concerned about their well-being more so than our own. And then the last one is just understand that many of the differences that we have in our expression, in our practice, with music and prayers and language, that this is part of the unity that we have, and it's part of how Jesus designed the church to be, that we really do have a great unity, even though it does allow a free expression of our own particular cultures and ways of life. And so this is just 
uh, a council that happened uh, quite a while ago, but there are a lot of important reasons why it did, and many good lessons for us as people of faith. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. May God bless you and be with you as you live out your faith and serve the Lord this week.